Welcome back, everyone. Um, today is a special episode. Uh, you know, saying special because we had a special episode the last time, but today is super special because we're joined by Tafazwa Munzwa from Dawa Health. Now, if you haven't heard of Dawa Health, uh, yeah, they recently were made the finals of the uh, Telesel Group under its Africa Startup Initiative Program and Startup Bootcamp Afrotech. Um, the, it's the, it's a, an accelerator, an Africa-wide accelerator program. So they made the finals along with another Zimbabwean startup called uh, Tumeza, which is a logistics uh, enterprise. Uh, Tafazwa, how are you? I'm finding yourself. How are you doing? No, I'm all right. Congratulations for, you know, <laughs> making it to the finals. We've been seeing the Zim startup ecosystem doing really good things in 2021. Yeah, thank you for that. I think I think it's a good start for the ecosystem. Uh, we need to just keep pushing. Uh, we'll get there, I think. So, yeah, we're excited as well. All right. So um, just, just give us a background on, on what the inspiration for Dawa Health was. Uh, okay, so I think the main inspiration was about two years ago. At the time, it was my cousin. Uh, she became pregnant. Originally, we, was try- we started as a hardware startup. But obviously, you know, being in Zim and Southern Africa, essentially, that's very difficult. It needs a lot of uh, capital injection and all that. So during at the time, we were still trying to figure things out. My cousin became pregnant. Then we started seeing, okay, the device we were trying to make could also be applicable to pregnant women. So that's how we started to to people now to focus on pregnant women. So that's how we're starting to build for the last two years or so, uh, focusing on maternal health. Uh, and just, you know, the experience I saw her face and, you know, just the statistics in Zim and Southern Africa, you know, it was the pushing factor for us finally starting our health. So, yeah, that's that's how we essentially started. Awesome. And you have a medical background yourself. You're a doctor in Zambia. Um, so yeah. this this was pretty close to you. Like, you were like, I know if there's a way yeah. we can do this, you know, uh, through the digital age, quote unquote, we, we should be able to, right? Exactly. Uh, so that's how essentially, you know, I said uh, with my background I have, what do I need? I needed to find co-founders, obviously technical co-founders, and we came up together. Then then we started our health officially. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So what's your specialty in medicine? Uh, I'm still general. I haven't specialized yet. Okay. But you do get a lot of the cases in the maternity wards. Yeah, uh, it's. I think it's now an interest area because as well of the work we've been doing with Dawa Health. So I think I've been focusing more recently on maternal health uh, because of, you know, what the work we're doing. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So the, the problem in Africa, well, in, in the world general, uh, maternal mortality, maternal morbidity are, you know, have been hallmark problems in, in sub-Saharan, sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, if you go on any website, BWHO or whatever, you get those stats. So for the benefit of the audience, um, and I'm sure the women would already know this, but there's some guys and dads out there who might be, uh, you know, might not know the definitions of these terms. So maternal, uh, maternal mortality is defined as the annual number of uh, female deaths from any cause related to or aggravated by pregnancy. So this is during pregnancy, yeah. childbirth, within 42 days of per- termination of the pregnancy, uh, irrespective of the duration or end side of pregnancy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So maternal morbidity is basically just a, um, is an overarching term that basically describes any physical, mental illness, uh, disability directly related to pregnancy or any or any childbirth. Um, it can be, you know, it's not necessarily life threatening, but it can be significant. It can have, it can have a significant impact, sorry, on the quality of life. So in, 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 since you're in Zambia, uh, and you've lived in Zimbabwe, obviously, what is the scale of the problem when we're coming to both maternal mortality and maternal morbidity? Yeah, so uh, I think generally, uh, so if we look at the statistics, generally world over, it's about 830 mothers who die daily uh, from preventable pregnancy, uh, you know, complications and narrowing it down to Zimbabwe and Zambia. In Z- Zambia, here it's about seven mothers who die 
daily. Uh, in Zimbabwe, I think it's close to 15 mothers who are dying daily from preventable organ cancers. And the annual number of mothers who give birth in Zimbabwe is about 650,000 or somewhere around there. In Zambia, it's about 1.2 million mothers. So we're looking at the total market size annually, about 1.8 million mothers. And uh, more than 70% of mothers in both countries don't have access to good quality maternal health. So that's there's a really big gap uh, if we see in the quality of maternal service being delivered to mothers. So that's that's the gap we're trying to close. The 70% of the 1.8 million mothers uh, and the total close to 20 something, 22 mothers are dying daily uh, for preventable pregnancy complications. So we feel like with the kind of model we have and the technology we have, we can help, you know, to uh, reduce those numbers, obviously working together with partners. So that's what we're trying to do, essentially. All right. So Dawa Health um, is basically delivering quality antenatal care because according to the WHO, a good proportion of, I think, uh, upwards of 90% of pregnancy deaths are preventable if there's quality antenatal yeah. care. So what have you seen in Zambia and Zimbabwe that is inhibiting, um, you know, access to antenatal care? Uh, so there are a number of factors. Uh, I think the main one, uh, just going on to the statistics, so the leading cause of maternal mortality is postpartum hemorrhage, mm-hmm. which is like uh, loss, loss of uh, a lot of blood on delivery. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, the problem with that essentially is uh, blood availability, like we need to do transfusions. Uh, that's about uh, 27 or so percent of maternal, maternal mortalities. Then the other ones uh, we are currently focused on include uh, preeclampsia, which is pregnancy-induced uh, high blood pressure. Then we have infections uh, during pregnancy. Uh, then we also have things like pregnancy-induced diabetes. We have pre-existing conditions. So these are some of the most leading uh, causes of maternal mortality besides postpartum hemorrhage. So at the moment, to focus on these other ones, uh, about 53% of the total uh, cause of maternal mortality, we hope that in the near future we'll be able to also intervene in the postpartum hemorrhage phase, uh, which is more postnatal. So, yeah. All right. So that, that, that's more postnatal. So for antenatal care, um, it's broken down into segments, obviously. Um, and for the initial, like, initial sector of the, of the pregnancy, um, our health provides um, a chatbot or platform that allows women to access information about these things that they need. So it's not necessarily for women. Men should also, you know, use it too, because there's certain hallmarks and signs that you should be able to see, uh, things that you should, be, you should be able to monitor. So for the initial stage of, of, of pregnancy, what is our health offering um, to, 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 to expecting parents? Yeah, okay. Uh, thank you for that very good question. So essentially what we do, uh, our platform uh, essentially monitor, we provide tailored maternal health support. So we use what we call uh, last day of menstrual cycle, which is the day, you know, the, the woman like goes on their last menses. So medically we can use that date to calculate the age of the pregnancy. So that's essentially what the platform does as well. You just ask when you're registering on the platform, it asks you that last menstrual period date. Then it's, up, it's able to, you know, uh, calculate your age of pregnancy so that the information is going to be giving you it's tailored to the stage of pregnancy you add so you know, it helps you make more informed decisions so that's the first part just giving you the information the right information which is medically verified uh, we're working closely with the University of Zambia School of Medicine uh, you know in local languages as well we are able to get tailored information the first part. The second part is we work with a network of community health care agents. Uh, in Zimbabwe, we call them community health care workers, but they're essentially the same. So this, this is an extra layer of people that has been added, either by private uh, enterprises or by the government, to add on to the you know efforts of the professionally skilled doctors and health workers, because we our governments do understand 
that you know we're not enough medical skilled professionals are not enough mm -hmm. so we need that extra layer of last mile health engines these are people we closely work with in our health so we provide them with what we call a dawa mom kit uh, so a dawa mom kit is essentially we've aggregated a number of uh, components and hardware into that kit which then we uh, give a single kit to each agent and each agent is able to support between 35 mothers uh, through the platform so they measure things like uh, blood pressure uh, on a bi-weekly frequency, then we look at things like urinalysis, which we look at uh, urinary tract infections, we look at uh, pregnancy-induced diabetes, then through our global partnership with uh, Butterfly IQ, we are able to do also point-of-care remote ultrasound scan, uh, then mothers are able to get a remote ultrasound scan without them necessarily coming into the health centers. So these are some of the gaps, gaps we're trying to close, uh, because especially in the remote setups, uh, mothers don't have immediate access to health centers. It's very far, uh, they are pregnant, you know, it's very difficult for them to be reaching some of those uh, places, so they start missing out accidental visits. Uh, so this is the gap we're really trying to close. We're bringing in the facilities to them, uh, do things like point-of-care hemoglobin tests, look at anemia, if they need blood transfusion in time, before any complications sets in. Essentially, that's what we're offering you know, uh, from day of conception up until delivery. We're supporting mothers, you know, on a weekly basis in terms of information, then on a bi-weekly uh, frequency in terms of the support that comes from a network of community care agents. So that's, that's essentially what we're doing. Interesting. So you said um, the agents are given a, a kit at our health kit, obviously with the blood, uh, blood pressure monitoring and all that. Um, yeah. These kits are obviously uh, reusable, correct? Yeah, they're re reusable. Okay, but the, the tips and etc. will differ because of sanitary hygiene, etc. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, for you, you said uh, remote uh, pregnancy scanning or uh, you know um, ultrasounds. How does that work exactly? Uh, so essentially, it's a probe. It's a portable probe. It, it's it's the size of a smartphone, uh, mm -hmm. which you can essentially just connect to a smartphone. So it has a USB uh, capacity or the you know that C C capacity. So you can connect it to a smartphone. Then it's powered by the power from a smartphone. Uh, then you are able to. It's a new technology that's created in the US. And then once you turn on the probe. It's able to do uh, ultrasound scan. Essentially, it's using you know, uh, sound. So it's about sound, and it's able to figure out the imaging uh, from that probe. Then on a smartphone app, you're able to see how the baby is developing. You're able to look, you know, if the uterus is in place and all that. So you're able to do essentially two scans: one obstetrics and one gynecological using that portable probe. Okay. And what is the reliability of, of the of the portable device? Because I'm sure people will be asking, yeah, so the difference between one that is you find in a hospital and one that's obviously handheld and 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 so, sort of scaled down. Uh, this, is, this is to say because when something is made, yeah. quote unquote, simpler, people have doubts like, oh, is it going to be super reliable? Is it going to be super effective? And this is like a very critical time in, in an expecting mother and, and father's life. So, yeah, I, I know the 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 purpose is, is mass outreach, um, but that's only yeah. the, the reliability on that. So the reliability is almost 99.9%, but the functionality is reduced to about 75%. Uh, so there are some, uh, you know, capacity of things like the one you find in the hospital, like especially now when you start to look at the heart, uh, there are more complicated organs that require more attention and require more specs. So that portable probe will not be able to work at that high level. But for most of these gynecological things, uh, basic ultrasound scan, it's 99% reliable. It's FDA certified, by the way. So it's a very, very you know, uh, uh, reliable kind of gadget. Uh, and we have like a global partnership with the manufacturers. So yeah. 
All right. So um, beyond the agents, what partnerships do you have in terms of uh, medical professionals being one yourself, ones who are more specific to uh, gynecology and obstetrics? Yeah, okay. So at the moment, in terms of academic and research, we are working closely with the University of Zambia uh, School of Medicine. We are working with Oxford University uh, in the UK. Then we are working also with the University of Basel in Switzerland. Uh, then in terms of just uh, last mile service and delivery, we have a number of partners. So here in Zambia, already we are working with NFPA Zambia. We are working with UNDP. Uh, in Zimbabwe, we will approach them. We hope to finalize those partnerships. Uh, then we are working with Live Well. Uh, these are just some of the big partners that have already existing networks of community care agents. So it's easier to onboard them uh, because they've already been given the basic training on how to do last mile health delivery. So we're just coming in to train them on how to use our technology and our platform. Uh, so it's certainly easier that way. So that's the kind of approach we're trying to use uh, rather than getting individual people to try to train them uh, basically on how to just do last mile then and add an extra layer of the Dawa health when it's all, it might take too long. Uh, so that's essentially the model we're using at the moment. Okay. And for um, some, so the, all, the, all, the, all the information gathered from the devices in, in, in a remote setup will obviously need to be relayed back to uh, healthcare professionals. So are you dealing with data management and then conveying that with uh, specialists? So the specialists you have on board, what ratio is it for, you know, for let's say 100 mothers, how many, how many specialists will be able to go through the data? Yeah, okay. Uh, that's a very good question. So uh, all our information is relayed on cloud. Uh, so we have built our technology on AWS. Uh-huh. Then at the moment, uh, the, we have volunteers. We have a partner called Digital Doctors Africa. Uh, uh-huh. They have uh, specialists across the world, especially the US and Europe. Uh, so through that partnership, uh, we are able to get uh, feedback in 48 hours after you know the information is measured and monitored. So the volunteer doctors from, you know, uh, the East and the, yeah, mostly the East, uh, who are volunteering to, to be looking at that data before they give feedback to, you know, the community of care agent is then related back to the mother themselves. So, yeah, that's, that's the model we have. All right. So, in Zimbabwe, um, since uh, I'm going to be selfish and speak of Zimbabwe, yeah. um, most of the the lack of quality antenatal care is usually in rural areas where the distance from, yeah. you know, home to hospital is incredibly far. It's incredibly stressful for mothers to walk that distance or use any other means of transport for that distance. Um, how many areas, how many, how, what, what is your, 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 let's say, what areas are you looking at the most? Are they the more rural areas or the more, you know, urban areas? Yeah, okay. So we have two models at the moment, uh, but we feel like the most of our impact will be in the low income, uh, you know, setup or communities. Uh, so for the low income communities, we're looking at very urban and rural areas, obviously. Uh, so for that, uh, I think that's, that's, that's the model we're working closely with the community agents, uh, because one, it's scalable. Uh, and you're able to do kind of device howling, so we cut down the cost because with the single kit you're able to support a number of mothers, and you're able to you know frequently buy visit the mothers like two weeks, but also just add that additional layer of accountability of trained community healthcare agents. Uh, so that's that's the first model we're trying to push at the moment. So even in Zoom, we reached out to partners. Uh, we are hoping that you know by end of July uh, or August somewhere there, we'll be able to start the groundwork in Zoom as well. 
uh, to just see the feedback uh, and see how different, you know, how it seems different from Zambia. But in Zambia, we've already started in Western and uh, Lusaka uh, provinces with about 3,000 mothers at the moment. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the first model. The second model is self-monitoring kids. So instead of giving the kids to the agent for the high income mother who might feel they need still that extra layer of just you know, monitoring, we can provide the same kids to them and then they're able to monitor themselves, uh, record their metrics into the app as well and get feedbacks from community care agents. But that's obviously a bit pricey because you know we are essentially just giving you the single kit for yourself for the whole antenatal period. Uh, it's not being used by other people. The cost now goes a bit higher because of that model. So those are the two models we have at the moment. Interesting. Um, so I've got two questions. Uh, I think that the first one is more pertinent is to do with pricing. Um, so since it hasn't kicked off proper in Zimbabwe, um, I wanted to know yeah. what the prospective price that, um, let's just say for the person just looking for the base uh, care of uh, Dawa Health, um, what what would it cost you? What would you set, set a, a, a family back um, in terms of price? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so in terms of price, our price is done. So for the low-income kind of community care agent model, you're pricing it at $3 a month, uh, 3 US dollars a month in quarters. That's about 60 or so quarters uh, a month. Uh, then you're able to get all the support I was talking about. Uh, then in, in for the high-end model, is $10 uh, a month to use the kids. Yeah, they keep by ourselves. So that's the pricing we have. Although we're trying to talk to partners to subsidize the fees, especially for the low income communities, I in Zambia have been able to do that with UNFPA. UNFPA has come to take the cost for low income others. So essentially, uh, we, we are pricing, uh, we, like we're charging UNFPA and we deliver the service free, uh, but they would want the data and all the analysis. The analytics of the data we are making uh, and the impact and the difference and the you know leading causes of in different communities. So that's the agreement we have at the moment, where we essentially provide the data we collect to them uh, for their analysis uh, and they pay the price for that. So we're trying the same model with them, looking for partners who might be wanting to take that cost for low income mothers so that we subsidize the fee. Uh, so that's that's the model we have at the moment. All right. Um, so since it's running properly in Zambia. Um, uh, what is the threshold or um, what are you looking for for community care agents? Um, do they have to be midwives? Do they have to be, you know, uh, medical health professionals first, etc.? No, so they don't have to be any of that. So usually they're volunteer people uh, who have been identified either by the ministry or by our partner organizations. And then they go uh, through a period of training on how to just act as community health care agents. Uh, so here in Zambia, our partners at the moment include UNFPA. Uh, they have a wide network of community health care agents. Then it also includes a, a social enterprise called Live Well. So Live Well also has an independent network of community health care agents. So these are the partners who identify people in communities, uh, train them on basic care uh, to, able to be able to deliver last mile health services. Uh, then us, we're just coming in to do an additional layer of how to use specifically our kids and the technology we have, but they already have received the basic training and they've passed that. So that's that's the model they have. Must be leveraging on that because it's capable rather than training people from you know from ground zero. No, interesting. So for example, if you get a um, let's say in Zambia, maybe you've already come across something like this. Um, you get a mother in a remote area who who's showing high blood pressure, uh, needs immediate attention or attention as soon as possible. Um, what's the stage like from the community healthcare worker going there or agent going there? Um, who do they contact? 
are are there any regional hospital partners uh you know is there a network of hospitals how do you deal with stuff like logistics uh for 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 that individual might not be able to pay for that is that covered by the subscription fee how does that work yeah okay so here in zambia we're still trying to figure out the difference with zoom but here in zambia they have what they call emergency mother care center something like that so essentially these are health centers across the country uh, which are set aside with specifically uh, you know targeting maternal health care so the moment we identify a high risk pregnancy right, it doesn't matter if it's anemic if it's uh, preeclampsia or whatever condition you refer to those centers so once they go into those centers they, they get monitoring uh, until they're stabilized uh, just in case something happens so that's the setup in zambia at the moment uh, we hope in zimbabwe it's the same uh, so essentially what we're doing is once we identify a risky time we, we refer those mothers to those uh, high risk centers those are especially uh, you know present in the rural setup here in zambia uh, so in zim we're still trying to figure out how the maternal or the healthcare system last month but I, I hope it's similar because most of these African countries uh, we usually you know similar on how we deliver healthcare systems and, and things in general. So, yeah. All right. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in Zambia, it works is that the an expecting mother uh, can be ferried to a hospital or a clinic or a nearby area if there if there has been a sign that the her or the child are in danger. Is that the case that they're ferried and you know it's no extra cost or did I misinterpret that? Uh, so it's not, they're not fair. So at the moment, they have to look for their own transport. Uh, so that's another area we are hoping to expand as well uh, as we grow. We're trying to create a network of, you know, reliable partners who can act as, you know, emergency uh, services or emergency uh-huh. ambulance services to nearest health centers. So at the moment, we haven't done that, but we've seen that it's a problem uh, to get mothers to the nearest health centers, uh, especially in rural setups. Uh, so we're still trying to find create a model where we can essentially work with the local communities and maybe add an extra layer of, you know, maybe funds so that that can be used in cases of emergency. Okay. Uh, interesting. So Zimbabwe is still pretty much like a black box in that respect that you are not quite sure how that, how that system works out. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, so let's go on to um, the, the revenue model on your end. Uh, so, like with any business, uh, as much as it's 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 designed to help people, um, it's also designed to make money and to also improve on the service. Like you said, stuff like like um, you know transportation, um, you know immediate care, uh, because most hospitals won't admit you for free. Uh, in some cases, they will in emergency situations, but there'll still be a bill overhanging. Uh, but for you guys, um, at the moment, what what would you deem as you know your your business goals or your you know what what would make this a success uh not necessarily on the humanitarian front but on the business uh, side yeah okay so essentially we've seen that uh a number of these partners want data uh the data we're collecting it's very key both to governments and private uh enterprises uh some in terms of their business they want to have targeted products they want to push in communities uh so we feel like that's where we're going to monetize most of our money from uh from these partners obviously because we're trying to make the service afford as affordable as possible uh to the user essentially in low-income communities uh so in zambia already that's starting to materialize uh so we have partners like unfpa mentioned who want the data they're charging them uh, live war and as a partner as well they want some of the data we're getting uh so essentially that's where we make our money from uh, the insurance companies also try to 
push uh, their micro insurance uh, policies to some of these patients. So we're charging them to be pushing that through a platform. Uh, but obviously, we're making some of the money from the patients themselves. Uh, but long term, we feel like that's where we're going to essentially make most of our money from. Employers who want the data at the access market we essentially created uh, on the Dow platform. So that's the long term vision or model we have. Interesting. Is, is that a sustainable one, though? Uh, because at some point, I feel like data is an endpoint, or you're going to pivot from, you know, one data set to another, because right now it's obviously tracking, uh, as I can imagine, uh, you know, accurate data or close to accurate data with the cases you received on maternal mortality, maternal morbidity, and obviously conditions affecting certain people groups in in, in different parts of Africa, which would probably make it uh, easier to, to administer health or to forecast. But at some point, that will obviously run out. Um you know, after that, is there like a plan for beyond that? You know, what would you be looking at? Yeah, so essentially, I think, yeah, we do have a plan. So we, we've seen that, you know, uh, right now we're focused on antenatal, but we still need to continue with service uh, after the first 1,000 days uh, postnatal. So mm-hmm. there's another gap there, uh, which is not being closed by anyone at the moment. Uh, so we want to extend our services essentially from day of conception up until like the first 1,000 days of life of the baby. Uh, so we want to extend and add a number of service uh, service and products in between uh, that will essentially create you know a bigger final pipeline revenue pipeline. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 essentially the long term plan. Uh, but as we are building, we're trying to see strategically how we can expand from where we are to get to where we want to be. Okay. Um, you, you you spoke about the postnatal period. Uh, is at present it's just a, a area of interest for, for myself. Is there anything to deal with postnatal depression uh, presently with our health? Any information that you know expecting mother and father should know? You know uh, after that period. Uh, so at the moment we haven't added anything postnatal uh, except cyanopress self-injectable kits. This is a mm-hmm. Pfizer manufactured uh, self-injectable contraceptive option that covers mothers for like 13 weeks, uh, making contraceptive very uh, cheap and easy to use. So that's the only service so far we've added for postnatal. Uh, but we're looking to add, like what you're saying, things like uh, postnatal depression, uh, things like, you know, just nutrition of the baby, things like support. Uh, a lot of, there are a lot of services we can add postnatally. Uh, but right now we just wanted to make sure our business is solid before we continue supporting these mothers postnatal. So that's, okay. that's, the, that's the strategical position we still have at the moment. So the contraceptive that's after is, is uh, both for uh, obviously contraception and to uh, reduce the chance of multiple pregnancies, correct? Yeah. Of uh, repeat pregnancies, because that's one of one another problem that that that, that impacts women uh, in, in in terms of you know the stress it gives you back to back pregnancies in a very short period of time. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, and and as an issue of trust, because um, as good as your services, and I think it's an excellent one, um, there are parts of you know, I'll speak for Zimbabwe because, because I live in Zimbabwe, unfortunately, but you're in Zambia. But there are parts of well, communities that don't quite trust, um, you know, um, quote unquote new technology or quote unquote new innovation. I'm pretty sure that there's a model like yours that exists, but this coming door to door, how have you been able to confront that in Zambia? To be like, yeah, you know, we're, we're actually here to provide a service, et cetera. Yeah, so I think here in Zambia, it's been made easier by that network of community that I was saying. So these mm-hmm. are people that have already been integrated in communities for years. They build their trust. Uh, even my partners, like the UNFP, have been doing great work in communities for a very long time. So they've already built that kind of trust. So it's easier to ride on that trust they've built, uh, which we found is very key for us in Zambia. 
But another thing as well is essentially, I think it's an African thing, but there are cultural barriers to just taking new technologies and new medicines. Uh, so we've seen that we need to also involve community leadership. Uh, these are your traditional chiefs uh, or headsmen, uh, as well as religious leaders. Uh, that's, that's going to be very key long term uh, if we're going to make this a success, because these are essentially people you know, people listen to in communities. Uh, so we want to integrate them into, uh, you know, educate them on the importance of what we're doing uh, so that they see the impact and the difference they'll make if they advocate for such things. So that's, that's the long-term plan we have, working closely with headsmen, chiefs, and, uh, you know, traditional leaders. Uh, all right. And uh, I was watching in a, in a picture you made a while back that you, the aim um, that you're going for is to reduce um uh, maternal death from 15, as you said, to, th- to three by 2030. Um, what are the, let's say, pitfalls uh, that you're presently seeing right now? And what are the the things you are, you know, uh, the things you've seen that you can actively work on right now that can help improve that, be it, you know, information dissemination, uh, et cetera, or in, in the case of, you know, like you said, in Zambia, we've got a wide network of, of, of agents that already have built trust in the community. That's obviously a plus. But what pitfalls have you seen in achieving that goal of reducing that to three, even zero by 2030? Yeah, okay. So one of the, I think the most difficult thing we're trying to figure out is postpartum hemorrhage. Uh, the problem with that is, you know, mothers lose a lot of blood in short term. So that's like what I said, it's the it's almost second highest leading cause of maternal mortality, like at 27%. Uh, so you need to be able to transfuse blood, uh, replace blood after giving birth in short time. Uh, so one of the pitfalls we have seen here in Zambia operating uh, is the poor infrastructure to go to the, you know, the most remote health centers where some of these maternal mortalities are happening. Uh, so we've already talked to a partner in the Netherlands uh, called Avi Drones. So Avi Drones essentially, uh, it's a both, uh, you know, fixed wing quadriceps kind of drone which can that have a range of close to 80 kilometers. So essentially, we want to add that long term. Uh, we're already, already trying to finalize the pilot in Zambia. So essentially, we want to be you know, using drone technology to be delivering blood last mile uh, to health centers uh, from you know, centralized provincial offices or provincial uh, centers. So we feel that if we're able to do that sustainably, we'll be able to significantly reduce maternal mortality. Because one with the DAWA platform already, we're monitoring things, uh, referring patients in time, preventing any emergencies. Uh, but for the maternal uh, mortality from postpartum hemorrhage, we're able to sustainably deliver blood for transfusion in short space of time, sustainably, you know, where poor road infrastructure is, I think that will significantly help us achieve like our 2030 goal. So essentially, we've been trying to work around that. And I feel the pilot might be successful. Uh, one, it's both, it has, you know, it doesn't have problems of landing and takeoff uh, because it can have that, you know, vertical uh, takeoff, but it also has a fixed wing functionality. So those are some of the partnerships we're trying to look at, uh, trying to see how can we sustainably uh, you know, reduce some of these complications or risk factors in time. So that's what we're trying to do. Okay, interesting. Um, and in, and the one thing that I've seen that uh, uh, the National Blood uh, Services of Zimbabwe uh, was doing is blood drives. Have you engaged in partners in you know, Zambia and Zimbabwe to you know um, push for blood drives? I know it's COVID and um, and, and stuff and schools are closed. So that's where most of the donors, are, a good number of the donors are in schools. So if you engage partners in Zambia and Zimbabwe, to, in, in, Zimbabwe in Zimbabwe won't be a case because you said it's not yet yeah. fully fleshed out. Uh, but in Zambia, 
have you you know uh engaged the local authorities to you know increase blood drives and encourage people to donate blood yeah so uh we're still in the preliminary stages of that essentially uh like i mentioned we're still just to do a pilot with iv uh, see how sustainably uh this can be uh so once we figure that out first uh, then we'll be able to start now pushing for you know public uh blood donations and blood drives uh, so i think we're doing things in stages we don't want to rush all over the place mm-hmm. we want to be strategic at how we do things and see how sustainable it's going to be uh, if it works out obviously we look at scaling it uh you know like at a bigger scale so that's the model we essentially have solely building uh just trying to see what works what doesn't work then we go with what works okay uh awesome uh it was good talking to you <laughs> it's a very very enlightening conversation uh it's, it's good to see that you like prepped for for a number of uh possible outcomes uh when it comes to you know delivering especially last mile health uh hopefully we see you in zimbabwe very soon uh, because I'm, I'm pretty sure services yeah. would be would be you know quite invaluable yeah sure uh thank you for having us on tech zim as well uh, you know it's just good sharing our story and you know trying to put awareness there uh, of maternal mortality essentially you know it's it needs a collaborative effort from everyone uh, the public uh health professionals you know, everyone so that's you know we'll be able to achieve the 2030 dream uh, uh before we go i wanted to know uh I, how what have you how have you prepared for the final stage of of of, of the accelerator uh so essentially the final stage so it has a good number of packs essentially uh you know everyone in the accelerator will be able to receive the same benefit uh but i think the bigger goal would be like raising actual equity financing at the end of the uh, so i think you know we've been, we've been lucky enough to go through a number of incubators of heaven and stay on what works what we need to do uh to prepare for the finals essentially uh and just be able to attract the kind of right investment we want in the team uh so yeah we're working closely to that we're delegating some of the tasks uh because we all, it's already starting uh you know next week uh, so essentially we have a team of three that's heavily involved in the accelerator uh mm-hmm. delegating and to be able to manage running the startup at the same time and participate fully in the accelerator so that's that's how we're doing it okay i've always been curious at how our startups can also you know uh, especially in africa where your services are probably needed how you manage both you know being part of a program uh you know and being actively involved in the problems you're trying to solve on the continent and you just said you have three people that that are working actively in the accelerator so how, do, how does that take away from your um from your workforce you know does that make it more difficult easier is it a necessary evil quote unquote so i think i think it's 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 since the accelerator this year it's online because of mm-hmm. covid uh, i'm i think at the end maybe it might be physical on the pitch of competition but now it's online so it really doesn't take that much from the time we have on the team uh, because we look at what so what, what i've done essentially uh myself I'm, i'm taking part in that then i have my technical director and we also have our business development uh personnel in the accelerator as well so essentially you know obviously in the accelerator they have different components as we look at what they want us to do uh then we look at the right personnel to do that so if it's something more technical my technical director would do that if it's something that would need like over leadership or that i can like need to do i'll do that if it's more business development uh and all these other things you know my business development person will take that so essentially that's how we're doing so essentially we create we're able to maneuver that and create time for each other both manage the accelerator and uh you know keep working at our house uh if we have meetings or if we need to meet people in communities or whatever we are doing so yeah so what proportion of your staff is actually uh would be offline let's say um 
you're needed for the accelerator? Uh, okay, so it will be just be the three of us. Uh, and then the moment we just expanded our team. So we're about nine now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we still have, you know, a good number of people still present physically uh, pushing the work we need to do, uh, field work. So, yeah. And the, the, the six that are remaining, I see the three are involved, don't include like uh, professionals like doctors because you, you're you working with, with uh, yeah. volunteers. Yeah. No, okay. But uh, so when can, when, when can we expect uh, Dawa Health to come to Zim? Uh, we are hoping so. There's there's a program that's being done by Impact Hub in Zim, mm-hmm. uh, where essentially they want they were looking for social enterprises uh, that want to like push their work in Zim. Although we have already registered and everything is in place in Zim, we feel like we need uh, to start building another team there. So we needed help essentially with co-working and you know have partners, right partners. So we are hoping that if we make it through that uh, Impact Hub Arare kind uh, of call. We'll be able to, you know, work from some of these uh, co-working space, either from Impact Hub or whatever, you know, co-working space we can have in Zim, uh, then start building a physical team there. Because that's the most important part we have seen. Uh, we need the, at least one person who's making sure that the community agents are receiving what they need. They're getting the support they need physically, you know, nearby. If they need to go see them, they do that. So that's, I think that has been like the inhibiting factor at the moment. But all my team right now is in Zambia. Uh, so if we start building a team in Zim, uh, we are hoping that in the next two months we have a presence, a physical team in Zim to start pushing the work. Okay, great. Uh, so, uh, so right now it's mainly a case of building the network of, of uh, community healthcare agents, uh, getting a space to operate and building a team, obviously, of people who are uh, qualified in whatever positions to do it, and then officially yeah. launching in, in, in Zim to make that happen. Um, so yeah. as a time frame, like just guesstimate a time frame as to, you know, when we can expect accelerator, obviously factored in focus, obviously it's, it's, it's something that, um, demands a lot of your time effort. So yeah. just a guesstimate of, you know, how many weeks, months, hopefully not years. <laughs> Uh, so we are, we approximate that in about, uh, three months. Uh, reason being also I wanted to be part of the accelerator is because it has the teleso group in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially we'll be able to write over all the telecom, uh, teleso, telecom companies across Africa. So that would be also very key for expansion because we notice that especially for the USSD SMS, uh, infrastructure, it's cheaper long term to work with telecom companies rather mm-hmm. than the way we're doing, doing using APIs or Twilio. Uh, so that's why essentially we want to partner with Telecom Group uh, to be able to write off, you know, that service they're giving us and partner with their, you know, country partner Telecom Telecom companies and be able to provide the USSD especially for people with feature phones, uh, which is the you know the norm in rural setup. So we feel like that would be key as well to help us with Zim setting up and launching. Yeah, interestingly enough, at that. Uh... TASC 2020 pitch. You mentioned feature phones, and you know, uh, you it's 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 a survey, or it's the same sort of chatbot system that that Dawa has uh, on on the main well, side. So it's the same chatbot. Uh, so essentially, we've integrated our chatbot using Twilio API, so mm-hmm. we can support you via SMS, uh, SMS app. So essentially, you can interact back and forth in SMS. But the problem with that is now the cost on the end of the to be able to continuously do that uh, because they get still charged by their telecom partners. So at the moment, we're still trying to partner. In Zambia, we've been able to do with MTN. Uh, in Zoom, we are hoping we can partner with one of these companies so that that essentially becomes data free or essentially free, uh, the back and forth interaction between the client and our chatbot 
uh, you know, over that API SMS app. So that's why essentially we need vitally that to uh, post uh, partnership. All right. Oh, thank you very much, Tafazo. I took a little bit more of your time than I should. Um, it was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Uh, and we we'll hope to hear of announcement of Tower Health coming to Zim in the very, very near future. Sure. Yeah, all the very best in the accelerator and in the final stage. And yeah, I hope you do us all proud. Sure. Thanks, man. All right. For everyone listening, uh, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll see you soonish. Bye bye.